Hello and welcome to the Arista Advice Podcast, focusing on your wealth so you can focus on your dreams. We'll navigate through the noise so that you can organize your life and financial health. Let's get started with your host, Paul Moffitt. Hello, welcome to Arista Advice Podcast. We're excited this week to bring to you a very special person. We're thrilled to get his insight and to have him share with us some experiences that he has been through in this life. John Badie has traveled to 67 countries. His three favorite are South Africa, Thailand, and Spain. He has also climbed the highest mountain on the planet, Mount Everest. We're excited to hear from him today. John, welcome to Arista Advice Podcast. Paul, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you. Great. John also calls Henderson, Nevada home, and he also bikes up in the Red Rock Loop and is an enthusiast and lives every day to the fullest, and we're very, very excited. John, tell us about your background and what you do to live a fulfilling life. Sure. So I grew up here, as you mentioned, in Las Vegas, and I would look up at these mountains and I'd say, that looks really cool up there while I was bored in school and kind of look at like what the social interactions were like. And I said, I just want to be out adventuring. So I built a life around it. And all my businesses that I've created have been with the intent of being able to step away from the business so that I can plan expeditions, travel the world. And that's what my life is about. It's about giving keynote speeches, writing books, building internet companies so that I can choose when I go adventure and be able to freely go to wherever I choose to. That's wonderful. You've climbed the world's tallest mountains, kite surfed double overhead waves, swam with sharks, and experienced tribal warfares. What of these events have changed you the most? So those are all the cool highlight reels, right? And everybody's like, (laughs) oh, tell the story about this. What was it like with great white sharks or like double overhead waves? Are you kidding? And I'm a like competitive kite surfer. So I'm launching 40, 50 feet into the air. But to me, it's none of those feats of bravado that make me who I am today. Instead, it's what I've taken from those moments or from those accomplishments for who I can show up as right now with you in this moment. If you go to the mountains and you're a jerk, you're going to come back a bigger jerk. But if you go to the mountains seeking humility and learning how to be a teammate and how to work with others well and find your inner spirit, you're going to get more of that. So unless I can bring that back to you here right now with us in this conversation, it doesn't matter what the cool highlight reel is. Like nobody likes the celebrity who's a jerk. You know what I mean? That you're like, oh yeah, I've heard about them, what they're like off screen. Well, I'm not a celebrity, but people tell us like, oh yeah, he's done all these cool stuff. But if I show up and I'm like arrogant, nobody wants to be with that guy. So, uh, they've been humbling in that way. I love what you said that the outdoors really amplifies your current state of mind. It does. We've found that in cycling, right? I- I've never put those words together until today that the outdoors really amplifies your state of mind. It's a magnifying glass. Yeah. It makes you more of what you bring to it. That's great. So tell us, when you got the hammerhead sharks coming at you, what did you do, John? I mean, come on, man. I mean, tell us a story. (laughs) Well, the water got a lot warmer. (laughs) So I was in the Caribbean. There's like this bicycle that was planted for scuba divers. 
So you could like get on the bike and pretending that you're on a bicycle underwater and ha ha, look at my funny photo. So I'm on this thing trying to get the picture and my buddy's lying down on the, on the floor of the ocean, snapping the shots. And then I just see he's not sh- taking his pictures anymore. And I'm there, so they're like, yeah, look at, come on, like, where's the camera? And then I see the, the spread open, like head of the shark swim straight above me. <gasps> it was about 10 feet away, maybe at most. And I just sit there totally frozen on this bike like a doofus at the bottom of the ocean watching <laughs> this like 12, 13 foot long shark, just the shadow overtake me. I was totally petrified and just clung to that bike in total fear. Gosh, I'm grateful that you lived to tell the story and it was you, not me. Me too. <laughs> There's no way. And then walk us through your experience of climbing Mount Everest, the year, the preparation, and what your takeaway from climbing the world's tallest mountain? Yeah, so I had climbed just over 100 mountains total before I chose to climb Everest. I wanted to make sure that whatever the biggest mountain in the world threw at me, that I would be able to handle. So it was a very dedicated and decisive moment. It was also a financial decision of, am I solvent enough to be able to afford this expedition? You know, you hear about some people paying up to 100 grand in order to go climb Everest. Well, that's if you have like, two Western guides who are there with you. I went kind of a mid-grade route, but still 50 grand, that's like a house down payment, right? Yep. So it was 2013. I said, I'm going to do this. This is the year for me. And it's a two-month expedition. And you can only get to the summit on a very small window of time. And most of the climb you're spending preparing to be ready for when that weather window opens up. Because the Southeast Asian monsoon pressure pushes the jet stream off of Everest, which then makes the air still. And then you have sometimes five days, sometimes 10 days, sometimes two weeks of time before the jet stream moves back on to Everest. So that's all there is to climb. And you're just spending the entire time getting ready. And so we spent 10 days getting to base camp. And then we moved progressively up to each camp. But once you get to each camp, you have to really do ladders. You get to camp one, you go back down to base camp because your body will not heal. It won't recover unless you get back down to that lower altitude, which is at 17,500 feet Everest base camp. So you go up to 22,000 feet camp two, your body won't heal. So you get these cracks in your fingers and it just represents what's going on on the inside. Like your muscles aren't going to heal. So you drop off your gear, drop off your food for the next week, go back down to base camp and you do laps like this all the way up until you're finally ready with your blood having enough ability to to acclimatize or it's already acclimatized and the weather, all that stuff meets and then you're ready to shoot for the summit if you've lasted that long into the expedition. In 2013, when you did that, from first arriving there at the first base camp, up and back, up and back, up and back, how many days was that in total? Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Gosh, that's amazing. It's the biggest feat someone can say when it comes to physical exercises. They've climbed Mount Everest. And when you hit the summit, what did you do? I was on my reserve tank of oxygen. It was so cold that the little rubber valve or the washer had cracked and it was causing my oxygen to leak. And so I was effectively climbing without oxygen for many, many hours before we could switch to the reserve tank, but now the reserve tank was also leaking. My guide said, we got to turn around. You can't get up to the top. And as I'm 
heartbroken, crying after these six weeks of thinking I'm going to make it and then being told a few hundred feet from the top that I have to turn around. Miraculously, a guy named Justin Murley out of Seattle, Washington shows up. It's at the top of the Hillary Steps. So we got like 28,000 feet above sea level we're at. I have a 10,000 foot drop on one side, 8,000 foot drop on the other side of me. And he says, congratulations. I go, I can't keep climbing. My oxygen's leaking. He says, I got you covered. And he takes the regulator off of the oxygen bottle. He dips it into his tea. And I'm going, this guy's lost his mind. Like the altitude's got to him. He's wasting my time now. He takes that regulator out all wet, screws it back in. And he says, what does water do when it freezes? It expands. And that's when it clicked to me. Oh my gosh, this expanding liquid is going to seal that leak. He says, you're on borrowed time. Get to the top, take your photos and get back down fast. So I like lock it in. I'm doing everything I can to conserve my oxygen, just controlling my breath. After maybe half an hour, I get back up to the summit area and I just keep keep taking these step after step, telling myself the words of Sir Edmund Hillary, conquer yourself. It's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. And I finally arrive there, realizing that there's no more mountain to climb. I take four photographs, spent 11 minutes at the summit, sobbing in elation, crying and the tears are freezing as they're going down my cheeks, celebrating, but also scared for my life. And we begin back down after just those 11 minutes. So it was incredibly short-lived, but it was emotion-packed. Wow. He saved your life and then allowed you to have the greatest exhilaration of that six weeks being paid off and having a payday to get up there. What a blessing that was and what an experience. What are three things that you learned during this climbing Mount Everest experience that has made you become resilient? First thing I learned is that there's always more strength. And I think that that's more appropriate now than ever before, that each of us has the ability when we think we're knocked out and down for the count and sorry, you're done, you don't have any more to give, you have more ability to dig deep and find what you're made of. Each of us has that, and that's not unique to just some dude who climbed Mount Everest. That's the first thing. There's always more strength. The second thing that I learned is that rest is taking action. It's a part of it. It's a component of action taking. And by allowing yourself to recover, to heal, to let your body do what it needs to do to make you ready for the next day of climbing, is just as much a part of the action taking as climbing itself. So take time to rest, take time to recover in what you're doing in your life. And the third component is that there is no such thing as a person who climbs a mountain on their own. Even people who show up on Everest and say, I'm going to do this whole thing with unassisted and without any support whatsoever, they're still walking on the trails that other people have built. They're still using the facilities that other people have constructed. They're still following the maps that cartographers before them have laid out and the intelligence from the whole climbing community and world. Nobody is in a bubble. Nobody can accomplish anything on their own. There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Everyone has had help. And unless you recognize it, you're a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. So more strength. Rest is taking action and no one climbs alone. And we all have to depend on other people. And be grateful for those people. Yes. And then, John, tell us about your new book. It's called The Warrior Challenge, Eight Quests 
for boys to grow up with kindness, courage, and grit. Tell us the backstory of that and the main purpose behind your wonderful book. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. So the Warrior Challenge was created as a rite of passage for young men, specifically ages 10 to 16, about how to be a good human being in today's world. One of the most common questions I get about it is, how come it's not also for girls? And that's a great question. And the answer is that there's a different set of cultural messages that guys get that end up having created the need for the Me Too movement and all the issues that are coming about now because guys have these messages that we've got to be so tough that we grit through any amount of pain and that ends up resulting in guys who are numbing their pain, trying to tough it out or being spineless, wimpy, nice guys that are so anxiety ridden that they can't stand up for themselves. And all of those are the wrong path to take. So this book lays out, here's how to have boundaries. Here's how to have self-awareness. Here's how to set values. Here's what it means to have integrity. Here's how to have grit and resilience. Here's how to respect others who aren't the same as you, whether it's by their gender, their sexuality, or their race. All these concepts are built into the book, but it uses unbelievable heroes who did the most amazing things you can experience, like jumping over the Great Wall of China on a skateboard or dirt road racing in Mexico. The story of me climbing Everest is in there. All these like insane adventure stories that are encapsulating these lessons are what the Warrior Challenge is all about. Well, it's exciting. It's never easy to write a book. It takes a lot of focus, a lot of daily regimen and structure. I'm sure there's potentially another book coming at some point, but we're excited that you've encapsulated that, put it all together, put it in print form, and got it out there. John, how can people stay in contact with you and follow you and stay connected with you? Awesome. Great question. My website is johnbede.com, and it's spelled J-O-H-N-B-E-E-D-E.com. I've got a free course on grit and resilience there. If in case you're interested in giving the Warrior Challenge to the young man in your life, whether it's your son, your grandson, nephew, or just a bunch of guys that you might know or students you have, then head to johnbeatty.com, click on the Warrior Challenge link. I got some bonuses if you order there. Otherwise, just go to Amazon and put it into your shopping cart right now while you're thinking about it, check out, and then gift it to the young man who's in your life. John, thank you for joining us today. And guests and clients continue to understand that we need to get out there and conquer our fears and our worries. And if COVID has you down or other fears or worries, write it down what they may be and conquer them. And live every day in a fulfilling, enriching life because life is short. So let's get out there and do good. Have a good one, John. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. This episode of the Arista Advice Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more advice on your wealth so you can focus on your dreams. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.